Hey, and welcome to the show today. You're listening to SinCensor.com, Feel Your Heart podcast. And we have another really great show for you today. Dalila specializes in working with accomplished women who yearn for love but feel lost in romantic relationships. She helps them heal and connect to their own emotions, develop intuition, and be ready to connect on a deeper emotional level with loved ones. This podcast is made by SenseSensor.com, the leading relationship institute for relationship skills and courses based on science made practical. To get the one-hour free webinar that will give you the key skills to get a safe, intimate, and passionate relationship, just go to SenseSensor.com and sign up. The link is in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and leave a review. It really helps me keep the positive energy going to make more podcasts. Let's head over and speak to Dalila. So I just want to welcome you on the show today. We have Dalila on the show and we're going to be talking about self-love and also how to express our needs and desires and process anger and why that's so difficult. Um, so I think I want to dive into it. It might be a big question, but maybe we can break it into two smaller bits because this whole idea of self-love is quite a broad and big concept And, you know, I so often hear, you know, just learn to love yourself. But I think I want to talk a bit more about how people can actually do that. Because, again, if they haven't really had a model in childhood where they learn what love actually means, it can be quite difficult to even understand what it is and, and how we can give it to ourselves. So, yeah, I don't know if that's something you want to talk a bit about, this whole idea of self-love and, and what we can actually do to quite try and nurture that. Definitely. I, I would love to talk about that. And uh, you are right. We don't have so many models because our society doesn't emphasize that. Uh, we don't know how to be happy. We don't know at the end when we grow up, we don't know what we want in life because of luck of self-love. And that affects us in relationships and in uh, at work and everywhere. And, you know, Soon enough, we have that uh, mid-age crisis because of that, because we kind of didn't learn who we are, uh, how to make ourselves happy, because we always kind of chase uh, our goals, what's next and next that we need to accomplish. So I would love to talk more about that. Perfect. So would you be able maybe to tell the listeners a bit more about what What do you mean when you when you mention self-love? Like what what does that actually mean? And and that might be able to give people a better grasp of what we're talking about as well. Well, that that as you said, it's big as a universe. Self-love means so many things, you know. Uh people often put uh stuff on Instagram and Facebook, you know, painting your nails. <laughs> and stuff like that. And as you and I talked a little bit, we talked about commercialized everything and uh, socializing. So we kind of buy, almost buy that concept of what self-love is. Go to the spa, you know, just kind of do this thing for yourself. And I'm not against it. Yes, we do need to maintain our looks and our hygiene and it's kind of way of our expression. But I just want to remind our audience that that's just one way of self-love. And that's actually adorning your body, making your body beautiful. There are so many other ways which uh, we don't learn so much, which is how to uh, engage your senses, how to uh, relish this world <laughs> that's given to us. Uh, sun, uh, sun, uh, sunlight, uh, breeze on your skin, the smell of the ocean and forests and stuff like that. So how to enjoy your life. And, and that's, that's a struggle for so many people because we didn't learn how to enjoy. We just learned how to go to the next goal and next goal. And even when we meet that goal, There is a ravine ahead of us. Oh my God, I met this goal. There is anxiety. What's next? Instead of being able to enjoy and tell, my, tell ourselves, oh my God, I did such a great job. Look at that and 
kind of being able to uh, examine how awesome you are. <laughs> so that's self-love. Self-love is also knowing that you matter and that you're worthy of love uh, and respect and being able to set boundaries, uh, surround yourself by people that are good for you. You know, you don't, you have to remember that you don't own your allegiance to anyone if they mistreat you. But we have a lot of gaslighting, you know, uh, oh, your country, your family. Uh, I will be a little bit unpopular here, <laughs> but sometimes our family or our neighbors don't, are not our best friends necessarily. I'm not advocating for you to disown them or anything like that, but setting appropriate boundaries that protect you and your well-being might be necessary. Uh, so that's self-love. And then also listening to yourself and knowing who you are. As children, we all often get internalized that notion that we are irrelevant and that kind of carries on, uh, carries us on in, into adulthood. <laughs> and, and from that place, uh, there is that resentment, you know, and, and when we kind of want to not demand, but uh, request certain things, when it comes from that place, it, it, it's not empowering, it's not powerful. So listening to yourself means uh, being able to sit in your body and acknowledge your emotions, both good and bad. As I already mentioned, some good ones are, uh, you know, like, oh, this feels great, you know. And you can start by small steps from your morning coffee <laughs> to, uh, you know, tasting and smelling that aroma. Uh, so engaging all your senses and mind and integrating that instead of just multitasking. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're almost like telling your body and mind and your senses that you're just this machine for accomplishing goals. <laughs> so what I encourage people is to indulge their old senses. Like, uh, you know, remember your sheets when you wake up, uh, feel the coolness uh, on the other side of your comforter <laughs> and then feel the warmth and, and just kind of relish uh, both of that. And I think one thing I just want to mention as well to the listeners, because we are social beings and we learn through our social connections there's obviously all, always this debate between what is genetic as well and what is nurturing and the truth is it's a mixture of both and you know we learn to love through our interactions with caregivers and other important people in our lives and this is where i find the beauty of relationships too that if we haven't been given this and don't have an understanding of what love can mean then it's hard to love ourselves. But through relationships, both friends and partners, etc., we can learn this if we have a partner that can help, you know, facilitate that. And yeah, it's one of the things that I guess are so nurturing around relationship when we learn how to navigate them. And I think there's two things you mentioned that I wanted to dive in a bit deeper. And one of them I really liked because I haven't really, it's very, very rare to hear people mention this when we talk about love. And that is that you mentioned part of self-love is boundaries and I think that's so true even though it's normally not associated with the word love people wouldn't think about boundaries but I think it's absolutely true without understanding our sense of self and that by that I mean also our boundaries then I think it's impossible to engage fully because then we will also always be taken over by the other we will always go into what I call the pleaser syndrome of try and caretake the other and we will obviously our needs will not be met and eventually we'll become resentful so it would be interesting to talk a bit more about boundaries would you be able to talk a bit about how people first of all can sense into their boundaries and second of all how they are then able to then could express them to their partner or their friend or whoever it might be Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I work with women, but as I'm talking to women, I know, and I actually work with men as well, and I notice that uh, everybody's struggling with that because everybody's afraid of losing that love if we set boundaries somewhere 
long time ago, <laughs> when you were a little baby, you uh, created this notion in your mind that uh, you have to kind of settle for whatever comes to you. And that's actually not true because as you are expressing your boundaries and your expectations to your partner, you are teaching them how to love you. You are actually empowering them. Uh, you are uh, showing them that they actually matter to you. So I'm going to, for all those caretaking people who like to take care, take care of others, I'm going to uh, switch it. So by you taking care of yourself and expressing your boundaries, you are actually helping your partner. You're basically taking care of them because they too want to uh, make you happy just like you want to make them happy. They too want to please you. This is a little pep talk for everybody who is struggling with that just to change your mindset and start making peace uh, with your boundaries, with expressing your boundaries and that idea. And then your self-worth, sense of self-worth will go up as well. So uh, how can we feel into boundaries, you asked, right? Uh, how can we feel into them? So as I already talked a little bit about feeling your emotions, uh, that's what it takes. That's starting uh, with mindfulness. And there, you don't even have to do some special exercises. Just as I already said, from indulging to feeling, you know, negative emotions. Just kind of feel them and name them. And, you know... Don't jump to the conclusions right away, but just kind of process them and how to express them to your partner or friends or anybody. You can say something, you know what? Uh, when you say such and such, you make me feel uneasy. And that's kind of the beginning of your emotional processing. You don't even know maybe how you feel, but you kind of feel icky, uneasy, and then later you can process them. You don't have to react right away. You can call them up later and say, you know what? What you said that they didn't sit well with me. And I don't know if you meant it or not, but it just makes me feel uneasy. It just makes me feel uh, not good. It makes me feel that I don't matter. And then uh, the more you go into what your exact emotion is, uh, it's going to be more powerful and it's going to actually empower your partner or your friend to feel good about themselves. I actually matter. I What I said to this person made them feel such and such, such. So I actually didn't mean to make them feel like that. So they can either redeem themselves or you will simply know who they are. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, you didn't insult them, you didn't say anything bad about them, you didn't assume that that's their fault that you feel like that. I hope that this makes sense. <laughs> it does make so, and I'm so happy. I think it's such an important and beautiful point we are getting into here, and, and I love what you're saying. And I feel also because the fact is that our body, our sensation is the first thing that register, and then our emotions, and then eventually our logic. So often, as you said, we might not be able to explain logically why it is something has violated our boundaries. And that's also why I guess becoming somatically aware and becoming aware of the sensation in our body when we feel violated is so important because that means, and I know that I do this with my partner, that if something happens and I will just describe my sensation and I know I don't have to be able to explain to her logically why or what's causing it, I can just say there's something right now that's making me feel anxious or I sense anxiousness or tension in my stomach. Um, and I just need a break to figure out what's going on, but it's just a bit too much. And and just that is enough to I can assert my boundary in a gentle way. And then I can obviously come back later when I figured out what's going on and I can then express that to her, right? Um, so I want to get in. 
Yeah, and I want to I want to get into that because I know you speak about uh, bodily sensation, and I think you and me align so much in that. I did something called the somatic method in San Francisco, a training which is very much about how to sense your body. So let's get into that in a second. I just want to emphasize a point you said to the listeners that I think is so so important because and and you said this, and I just want to re-emphasize it again. Boundaries is a gift that we give to our partner. I, before I started dealing with relationships, I created social and emotional learning programs for children, uh, or for parents for focused on children. And one thing that was prominent in all the research is that children feel more safe with parents that set clear boundaries that they actually start feeling unsafe if they don't know where boundaries are. And actually, it's the same as an adult. So if we don't set any boundaries, our partner will start feeling unsafe because, as you say, they hopefully do care about us. And I know as a man, if a woman don't set any boundaries, I will start having to tread really carefully because I constantly have to be scared about you know, hurting her or stepping on her boundaries. While if I can trust that she express her boundaries, then I can feel more free. And therefore, you're right. And especially this is an important message to everyone that struggle with boundaries but I know a lot of women have this as they learn they have to be nice and good and prioritize others is as a man it's wonderful when a woman express her boundaries because it builds trust and it makes me feel safe you know if I know that she says actually I'm not feeling sexual tonight so I rather we don't do that it makes me feel much easier for me to initiate sex because I know I will never violate her again does that make sense and therefore I just really want to re-emphasize a point because you said this earlier that, yeah, I guess you're right. We're doing a pep talk, <laughs> which is that, you know, you're really helping your partner. And I know as a man, I love when my partner express her boundaries because I know I can trust her more. But to get back to the whole thing before about somatic, you know, if, if people are sitting here and they think, because I was like this, you know, how can I sense things in my body? I used to be like this. I'm like, when people say that, I don't sense anything. How can they get started with this of, of trying to feel into their body and feel, oh, when something doesn't feel right and being able to tune into that and then express that? Is there maybe some exercise or something people can do themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yes. Uh, the beginning, what I suggest uh, is uh, doing any kind of body scan so you can know uh, what the basis, what your basis. I actually have a, a, a body scan guided meditation that I can share if you uh, like me to with the audience, and and that's that beginning stage of uh, uh, self awareness, our body. Because you're right, many of us. I mean, including me. I'm very cognitive. I'm very much in my head you know, uh, naturally, because we are, uh, we are running like chickens without the head to meet those goals. And we need to push our emotions and feelings. And we are just operating uh, on that level throughout the life so that we can manage this life that's given to us. <laughs> and it wasn't so, uh, it wasn't so safe to feel your body, you know, depend, some of us have bigger traumas, some of us have just emotional wounding, you know, that uh, makes us detached from our body to an extent. So, uh, as I already mentioned, doing this, uh, finding some pleasure in your body is a great way to go back to it. Uh, and I said, you know, I started talking about coffee and its uh, uh, flavor and smell, and I'm talking about whatever you eat, for instance. Go for a walk and don't just multitask and uh, be on your phone, but uh, indulge your senses, uh, observe the colors. I call it organic mindfulness. <laughs> Uh, and I love doing that. Smell the earth, smell the ocean, uh, uh, hear the birds and the wind, you know, feel it on your skin, the, the sun uh, warmth and uh, uh, ocean breeze. So whatever uh, it is that you're doing, engage all your senses, indulge in them. And when there is something negative, you can also kind of just pause and see how it feels. It's usually in your chest, 
in your throat and in your abdomen area that you may feel uneasy and you can name it. And this is not right or wrong. There is no right or wrong things. This is just for you. You know, it could be a lump. It could feel clammy. You can give it a name, you know, and a, a sen sensory kind of a feel to it. It could be hard. It could be fluffy. So there's so many uh, ways in which we can uh, feel in our, in our body, both in chest, belly, uh, throat. Sometimes we can also feel weight on our shoulders. You can see if there is any images that come to you or any, you know, uh, sounds or words that go with that. And that's just your experience. And then th that's basically your intuition in a way. Oh, I feel uneasy about it. And you, and then you can later process it and put it into a logical <laughs> uh, kind of package. And uh, when you communicate to your partner or friends or anybody for that matter. I love that point. And I, and I think, I guess so often we distract ourselves with our phone or the TV also because we feel, I guess, what, what could come across as uncomfortable sensations when we actually do that stillness. And I think when you said, you know, there's something really beautiful in not categorizing it as good or bad and also realizing that sensations and emotions are temporarily, they come and they go. Um, and I guess there's some relief in that when we start this practice, because I know in the beginning myself, because I had some physical trauma, I found it really difficult to stay present. I, I tried and then I had to distract myself, you know, and I know I'm not alone with this. I probably share this with billions of people on this planet. And it took a lot of practice and also just the knowledge that it's temporary, whatever discomfort sensation that came up and, and I felt all this tension in my stomach would not remain and knowing that allowed me to then sink in and just be present and not just to say oh this is bad and try and distract it and slowly then be able I guess it's like any other skill right it's like learning to play a sport the more we practice it the better we become at it and when we can then sense that we are suddenly able to express ourselves to our partner so much more clearly because how are they supposed to understand us if we don't even understand ourselves so I guess all, all good relationship skills kind of start with self-reflection and self-awareness right absolutely and and i just wanted to uh, add one more point as i already mentioned your body is not just a source of trauma as you said it's temporary that feeling just naming it and just being curious oh okay i feel weird in my belly what is it oh okay and remembering that your body is also source, uh, uh, your resource, you know, you can also find positive, good sensations in it. Just, just to remind you. So trying to uh, practice this will give you both awareness of your emotions and heightened intuition, as well as resources. Because this wonderful body, which we tend to blame, hate, look at it and criticize, uh, carried us through all that life, all that experience it's been with us. It gave us pleasure it, and uh, it uh, suffered, you know, all the abuse that happened. So if we can be a little bit more compassionate towards our body and recognize it, uh, that's another good uh, uh, suggestion to be more in touch with your body. Yeah, and I guess there's something really beautiful in that process of also that I think we're able to rewire it. I know that I used to be, I used to hate gentle touch and I noticed with, with women that I also worked with in the past that especially with sexual or other kind of physical traumas, some of them tend to actually not like gentle touch. Um, and I know I was similar. And again, through the rewiring and engaging and being present with the sensation and 
of course, in a safe environment with somebody you trust or a practitioner, maybe a somatic practitioner, um, start again learning touch. We can actually rewire the body. And I know now that, you know, touch is my love language and I love to get gentle stroking. Um, and my whole body basically changed that response just through that awareness and being present with that and doing that work. Um and again, uh, it also helps very much with boundaries, which I guess is where we came from. And it also brings us on to where I kind of want to continue with this, which is, you know, expressing our needs. Because my first question is, why is it so difficult in the first place for people to express their needs? Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know why? Because we there is this gaslighting that, you know, we are needy, uh, you know, starting from family, you learn somewhere. Even if your parents love you, maybe they're overwhelmed and maybe there is war in your country and your parents just don't have energy to pay attention to your little but very important need for that little baby at every step. Uh, somehow you internalize that your needs don't matter. And then when you grow up and seek relationships, you feel those needs somewhere, but you cannot be in touch with them because you feel shame about them. And the our Western culture often emphasizes, oh, you shouldn't be needy, you shouldn't be clingy, when in fact, if you recognize your needs, uh, then you will realize, no, I'm not clingy. I'm a human being. It means I'm a mammal, and mammals are wired to have uh, human connections and other needs, uh, of course. We have needs, and these are my needs and wants, and I'm sure you know there will be a partner that will be stoked to be with the exact kind of person that I am. So... That's one of the reasons. And then we uh, continue, you know, beating ourselves up. I mean, I hear so many people on social media. I'm clingy. I have, uh, you know, there is a, a anxious attachment disorder, not disorder, uh, style. And if you just learn to communicate those needs to your partner instead of, uh, instead of just hoping that, he will become your parent, like your, you know, and uh, provide you with that missing experience. Uh, that would be so much e easy. <laughs> I tell my clients, your partner can't read your mind. Uh, men are not mind readers, but, uh, you know, same for women in this case. So uh, if you just express what you need and you can put it in the words, you know, that you are comfortable with. Uh, you can say, you know, in one way, uh, as we talk about boundaries, you have a partner uh, who is kind of, who has avoidant attachment style. Uh, and as soon as you two start growing closer, he may uh, kind of start withdrawing. And then you can say, I noticed as we started, you know, as our relationship started growing, that at least that's what I felt, that you started withdrawing. And I just want to let you know, I don't do that kind of dance. <laughs> I don't like that relationship dance, you know, and I'm, I don't engage, you know, let me know if you're interested in a real deep connection or not, you know. So there are different ways in which you can express those needs. And it, that will depend on how, uh, close your relationship is and with that person uh, like that. But uh, what matters is that you don't blame that person, that you don't say, oh, you are like this or you are like that, uh, because that kind of makes them just go further into their shell and, uh, you know, feeling that maybe they can't uh, meet your needs. I hope that this makes sense. <laughs> oh, it makes so much sense. And I think it's some really, again, some beautiful, beautiful points that you're bringing up. And I think also, as you mentioned, I think we, we do live in a culture that's excessively focused on glorifying individualism 
and this idea that it's all about standing on our own two legs and and simply forgot the fact that we know in neuroscience we are social beings and you're right i hear this so often this talk about needy needy and instead of categorizing it you're right they're all valid needs and yes some people obviously have more need for reassurance people with more anxious attachment style often need more reassurance but it's still just that it's a need and we don't have to categorize it and try and shame it and actually there's a beautiful opportunity in relationships when we stop shaming and accept accepting that we can actually heal each other and also make each other more securely attached which both parties will benefit from and you know i can even see these dynamics in in my partnership and luckily we have you know a lot of awareness around this but where i can then tune in and something happened um where suddenly her ex-partner came over to her house and i hadn't been informed about it they hadn't been in touch and i know he doesn't really want me in her life and i just got a text and i said to her i sensed into my body and i said to her i feel a bit anxious about this and i don't want to obviously limit you seeing your ex but the way it was communicated with no us not talking about it and just getting a text message, you know, saying he's coming, is that fine? That really made me feel not safe. And I was unable to express that to her, that need, that I had that need for safety and it made me feel anxious. And then we had a talk and then, you know, we called up and she clarified and she said, oh, you know, he's just very good with with my child and you know he's just coming to visit and he's not staying over and then my system calmed down and then everything was fine and it ended up becoming a very connecting conversation but again that came from not categorizing each other or you know she would never lash out and say oh you're being needy instead she just listened to me expressing my need and say this is what i need to feel safe i need to understand what's going on in a bit more than a text and she then gave me that need and then actually we ended up feeling more connected and we created i think a more safe relationship bubble. So there's some beauty in how we can heal each other when we take away all this categorization. And also I find so much freedom in accepting the fact that, you know what, it's okay to need others. I also grew up with this, that I had to be independent and it made me live 30 years of my life feeling so disconnected from people around me, what you would describe as, you know, avoidant attachment. And I realized that it was just what I have learned and all I knew um, and especially for a lot of men, and I'm not saying it's only men that are avoidant, uh, certainly women can be that too, but a lot of men are avoidant. And again, these attachments style can change when we allow them to be healed within relationships. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to quickly put that out there. And I think this kind of takes us down the path of, of talking a bit more, I guess, about needs, about how people can get more in touch with what their actual needs are, whether it's emotionally physically, sexually, how can people kind of start becoming more aware? Because I guess a lot of people don't even know what their needs are, right? Because you're right, they never really learn to tune into it. So how, one, how can they do that? And two, how can they express it in a way where their partner might actually be able to hear them? Right. So, well, um, as I already described, listening to your body, senses, emotions, will help you become in touch uh, with your anger because due to these unmet needs and emotional wounding, there is anger that covers our more vulnerable emotions and those needs. And there is that grief and sadness that we lost a part of our life experience that we missed out due to these wounds. So once you get in touch with that grief, healing can occur. But also, as you said, one, uh, once you express that to your partner and then you get positive uh, outcome from it, that's so healing. And uh, then you stop that gaslighting to yourself saying, oh, I'm needy, you know. So that's very powerful. Uh, so you see, nobody thinks like I'm not worthy consciously. Uh, you know, L'Oreal <laughs> commercials tell you <laughs> that you're worth it, right? I don't know if that's still running on TV, but back uh, t uh, 10 years ago or so, uh, because you're worth it. And we all kind of hear these messages from social media, but deep down, you, we don't feel it. And that's why we are ashamed and embarrassed to express our needs. So 
uh, getting in touch with your anger and realizing, you know, when your partner uh, doesn't do something or she didn't communicate to you uh, the way you feel safe, uh, you, you can process that anger further by going deeper into your emotions and saying, uh, you know, wondering what you're angry about. Is it that your partner is meeting her ex or that she didn't communicate or that you don't feel safe? And it's beautiful how you expressed it, uh, Tomas, because it's not about her, you know, co-parenting what I hear, right, with her ex-partner, uh, uh, but it's also it's about how she communicated and you felt unsafe. It's about your feelings. It's not so much about her action, actions. And we all need different levels. So focusing on yourself more rather than your partner's shortcomings and putting that on them, that will help you significantly uh, feel empowered about your emotions and then communicate to them in more empowering way, as I said, so that they don't feel attacked, but instead they will feel, oh, look, he cares about me, you know. He cares about me to communicate this with me and he's being vulnerable with me. And as a reward, you're going to get your partner to also open up more to you. I hope that this makes sense. Oh, it does. And and you're absolutely right. And again, I want to re-emphasize what you're saying here because it's important is that because my question was obviously how can people express their needs so they get hurt? And your answer is so spot on, which is essentially that we focus on ourselves and our experience and our sensation and emotion rather than blaming them for what they've done. Because um, you're right, in that example I gave, my partner have done nothing wrong and she just communicated in a way that felt natural to her in the moment and there's nothing wrong with that. So instead of attacking her, you're absolutely right, what I did is instead describe that it just made me feel anxious and I then expressed what my need was, which was that we could speak on the phone so I could just understand, you know, whether he was sleeping over, not sleeping over, etc., and and again, so I think you're right. So it's about taking away the blame. And when the audience out there go practice this, remember to not make it about saying to your partner, you did X, Y, and Z wrong, or you, do, no, or you don't do X, Y, and Z, but instead focus on how you're feeling in that experience and and what you particular need then to, to try and give you what it is that you want, et cetera. So, so thank you for, yeah, for making that clear. Um, and it's going to be difficult uh, at the beginning because we are used to all the other ways of communicating, but not this one. So take your time. You don't have to, uh, you know, react right away. Take your time. Uh, what matters too is that you don't uh, do behaviors that will kind of damage your uh, relationship with your partner. Don't slam the door, you know, don't just... Uh, kind of react in an angry way towards them at the moment. Take your time, but remind them that you are still partners, that, you know, you're taking your time to figure things out and you're going to be back by 6 p.m. or whatever that time is so that there is no damage. And at the same time, your partner will get a chance to pickle in whatever that is that they did and, you know, how that affected them so that you can come with a solid way of communicating, uh, you know, back when you're back with your partner. Yeah, I like that when you said also, if you, if you go, you know, say, I'll, I'll be back or we'll talk about this later. You said, I'll be back at six o'clock, which for me is always maintaining the safety of a relationship. I always say to people, never threaten the safety of the relationship because that's when everything starts going wrong and you know, become interpreted through a negative bias. So always ensure that you you make it clear that the relationship is safe, even if you're upset, um, because it's fine to be upset. It's natural. We will all be that in relationships, but that should never threaten the foundation. Um, and as long as, yeah, but I think as long as we navigate it in that way, we can deal with challenges, right? Which we all have. Like you said, I'm not perfect either. I mess up, but it's always about making sure. And, and I guess, 
In your example, that's exactly what you did. By saying I'll be back at 6 p.m., we create safety, right? We say it, we're safe and we'll come back to you. I'm not abandoning you, but I'm still bloody upset. So I'm going to leave <laughs> and calm myself down. Um, yeah, I just and also you, you spoke earlier about anger. I really like that you dived into that a lot and start talking about how anger and, and the fact that we felt we missed out on all these experiences and that resentment, because I feel and this is probably more relevant to women than to men, but the majority of my listeners are women, so this would be good to discuss. I feel that women often grow up, and especially in our culture again, where anger is not permitted. So it's really difficult for a lot of women, right, to tap into their anger and even allowing themselves to feel it. And again, is there a way that they can easily or slowly or gently guide themselves into being allowed to feel this anger? Well, uh just remembering that anger is natural emotion. Again, this is a pep talk. It it tells you that something is not right for you and that you have a right to uh, experience your feelings. And usually under that anger, there is beneath that anger, there, there are some more vulnerable emotions which are way more important. Uh, and... I want to encourage you to kind of process that anger and uh, before you express them to your part, before you communicate to your partner. So you're clear uh, because anger can take us out of our body, you know, out of our, we call it window of tolerance. So there are some people who, uh, as you mentioned, anger is not acceptable for women. So some women are completely like disown that emotions while other then going this other, uh, you know, uh, extreme in which they uh, explode or say something that they didn't mean or completely disown the relationship, uh, you know. So it, it, instead of uh, going out of that window of tolerance, which we talk about uh, in trauma, when we are not online, when our body mind and emotions are not connected, integrated, uh, I suggest kind of taking your time and processing it uh, before you communicate to your partner. And you can say, hey, I feel angry about this. Uh, and again, depending on what level of relationship you have with your partner or friend or whomever in your life and what level of boundaries you can express deeper, more vulnerable emotions beneath that anger to kind of build even stronger connection with your partner, as you mentioned. Or you can just say, you know what, cut it, cut it out. That's just not acceptable, you know. And that anger actually empowers you in that way when you say that and, you know, and gives boundary to your partner and it shows them that you're a solid person that's not gonna tolerate BS. <laughs> uh, and uh, when you express deeper, more vulnerable emotions after you process your anger, then you uh, allow your partner to feel, you know, more connected and, and open up even more to you. But as you said, you know, men feel safer when you can uh, express yourself and your boundaries and, and being in touch with that anger will allow you to express those boundaries and be firm. And, you know, there is, when you say no, that means no. When you say yes, that means yes. And uh, when you don't do it, when everything kind of goes, when you tolerate his bad behaviors, then men don't feel safe in it. Then it makes you makes them wonder, what are you in, in there for? Do you respect yourself? Um, are you there just for my money or because you can't find anybody else? Like, can I treat you this badly, you know? <laughs> I hope that this answers. Uh... Yeah, and I, I really feel... Again, more uh, lots of, of gold in here in what you just said, because you're right, emotions are just that messengers. They're not good or bad. And I think as soon as we can realize that, we don't have to categorize them and only allow ourselves to feel. 
some of them. And you also said, you know, it's good to go away and process the anger before expressing. And I think, again, that's spot on because often you're right, there are secondary emotions beneath that. And also when we are caught up in anger, we are often not able to express ourselves in a constructive way because we're in the stress response. So these are all super good I think, and valid points. And I think I just want to get on to, because we were talking about needs and then expressing those needs. And when people often, you know, have gone through some of this progress, they have become more self-aware, they can express their boundaries, but also their needs, then we obviously are always going to come to a point where at some point we will feel some level of disappointment because, you know, even if we have the most wonderful partner in the whole universe, nobody can fulfill all our needs, right? And as much as it's a nice, you know, dream from Hollywood movies, <laughs> the truth is that it's just not possible. Nobody can fulfill all our our needs. And one single person is not meant to do that. You know, we used to live in, in tribal communities where there were a whole tribe that fulfilled our different needs. So, you know, how can people then deal with some of that disappointment that eventually will come up when they get really clear on their needs? Well, uh, it it depends on on the needs. But if you're with the right partner, if you you know if we determine that, let's say you're not in a relationship where you want children and he doesn't, and then that need just isn't going to be met. If you if you're talking about these uh, needs that are not met uh, from your parents, and now you are meeting them, you know, need for more closeness. Uh, once you kind of get a sense of your partner and once you communicate, once you accept your own emotions, uh, you are more, you become, it's funny, you become more self-reliant. You, uh, you, you don't feel so needy for the lack of better term as much as I hate that term. Uh, you know, because ultimately you're not angry uh, because our needs are not met, you know, we know that our needs cannot always be met at all times. You're you're not angry when your partner, for instance, needs some me time. <laughs> you're angry because of that gaslighting and that society and family and yourself telling you that you're too needy. So once you make the peace with yourself and your needs, it, it's going to be much easier, you know, you're going to be able to... Uh, understand your partner and his love, you know, because not everybody loves the same. I, I don't love you the same way you love me. You love me the way you uh, love, you know, the way you are. And men love differently from women. So then we accept those differences and we can kind of uh, look for positives, just like as I talked about uh, enjoying and indulging into it. Sometimes we all are stuck on this poet guy, you know, uh, from five centuries ago who wrote this beautiful poetry and these wonderful words, but we forget about our partner who is maybe an accountant, uh, uh, IT guy who slaves uh, throughout the, the day and life, you know, so that he can help us, you know, he can contribute and uh, afford the lifestyle that we have. So we have to kind of appreciate our partner for who he is. And uh, because we are in this, not just to have our needs met, but also to honor and understand that our person, because ultimately the biggest joy is to love not to get love necessarily, but in order to be able to experience that joy of giving love, you need to be feel safe with that partner. You're ultimately looking for a partner that you can feel safe to love selflessly. And then when your needs are not occasionally met, it's not going to be so um, hurtful like when you are not in touch with your needs. I hope that this is a little bit uh, roundabout, but I hope that this makes sense again. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love it. The safety 
to love selflessly. I think that's that's so beautiful. I think that's a wonderful way to to kind of end the podcast and leave people with that. And I also think in in that disappointment, there's also some beauty in in just being present. Again, we talked a lot about presence and just being present with the disappointment and listen to your partner and acknowledge that disappointment without having to fix it. I know. You know, especially for men, we always feel we have to fix things. But actually, we don't always have to fix it. Sometimes we can turn disappointment into a really connecting experience purely from listening to our partner and acknowledge their experience and disappointment and be present with them and saying, you know, I'm here with you in this disappointment and we can process it together. I might not be able to give you X, Y, and Z, but I can certainly be here and support you and listen to how disappointing that is for you. Um, and I think in that, yeah, I've seen often that couples are able to turn around what's what disappointment and distance into actual connection. Um, but I really love the saying that that you said. I want to end it with that, which is, you know, in create the safety of selfless loving, where we have that gift of being able to love someone fully and feel safe in that, because that is a beautiful, beautiful space. And I really want to thank you so much, Dalila, for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge, your experience and your wisdom. And there's so much more I want to ask you, but I feel maybe we can do a another podcast later because otherwise this will go on and on and on. Uh, yeah, I love. I would just love to say, uh, to add something that you said uh, about uh, uh, being uh, heard. You know, instead of fixing things, because it's kind of about you, you know, instead of your partner. Because our ultimate wounding is not being seen, not being understood. And that's the biggest gift that you can give to your partner when they need, when they experience any kind of need. Okay, I maybe I can't fix it, but I can feel how you feel. And, and that's a very much bonding moment. Yeah, that is the pinnacle of intimacy, isn't it? I could not yeah. agree more because that is all we ever want, first from our parents and eventually from our, our adult partnership. You're right, yeah. we want to be seen and accepted. That's what we really, truly, deeply desire. And you're right, that is the biggest gift. There's no fixing that can ever, that can ever beat that. And there's, that's where the beauty of intimacy really lies and where love can flourish. So thank you so much for adding that. And as I said, thank you so much for your time today on the podcast as well. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and come back for our new weekly podcast. Also leave a review to keep the positive energy going that really keeps me motivated to make more of these podcasts. If you want to learn the key skills to a safe, intimate and passionate relationship, then head over to sensor.com and join the free one-hour webinar. The link is in the description. You'll learn the four reasons that relationships break down. How your attachment style may fuel conflict with your partner and how to break that cycle. Why people cheat and the one tip that can prevent it. The simple three-step formula to lasting love. So thank you for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you next week for another podcast. Mm-hmm.